condition my condition was in I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I told my mind... On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Hello, and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Greg Pappas on the board. SB Futures down 13 and a quarter, and NASDAQ Futures down 31. Uh, we've got a bunch of days in a row on the way on up. We'll see. Uh, Yesterday was kind of an inside day. It finished up the very much at the end with a very slight amount of what I would consider a mutual fund buying, but not very much. But we finished up just a little bit. Do we have Professor Brendan? I'm here, Chief. How are you this morning? I'm all right. I'm just I'm just happy you're not, you haven't been caught in uh, Operation Bora or Project Bora Bora. I'm not sure what that is. What is Operation? This Bora is the new CEO of Citigroup, Jane Fraser's reorganization ah. operation, where she's bleep can and 10% of the people they're eliminating regional managers co-heads and others with overlapping responsibilities doesn't everybody well, have I don't, a, have I don't overlap with anybody I'm you, unique what do you mean you and you and the wife probably overlap on buying groceries and stuff now one of you's got to go oh yeah but she's the CEO I'm just the oh, all right. I, I'm just the, the driver oh you're just the <laughs> you're just a schmuck you're just the that's okay. I'm the Jamoke. I'm the Jamoke who goes and, and fills up the carts and brings the stuff in and out. Well, you know, somebody's got to do it. It's uh, So no worry. I don't overlap with anybody. Well, you know, nobody wants to be a brave anymore. Everybody wants to be a chief. All the braves got killed, right? <laughs> Just saying. Yep. Yeah, well, nobody wants to have the one feather. you got to get the full nope. headdress. It's, uh, it's like wearing the red shirt in Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you were, you were toast. <laughs> God. But when you had that idea, you were, you were a goner. The, uh, yep, you knew if you if you were if you were in the opening scenes wearing a red shirt, you knew uh, you weren't going to be there in the end. No. So what the what is going on with the Cubs? What's going on with the Sox? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I don't get that. I actually like Russ. I thought he was really growing with the job, and I thought that was his team. They're a bunch of young guys. I thought he was really in tune with the young guys, and I, I did too. I don't know what. The and what's really amazing, and actually, this really ticks me off. If Council was available, and, and there were rumors at the end of the season that he was going to be available to leave the Brewers. Well, he didn't renew his contract. Really, didn't renew his contract. Right. I was really upset that the White Sox didn't make a move for them. I mean, you look at the Cubs with Ross, what they had here, and how close they made it to the playoffs this year. And you look at the, the you know, what the bleep show at the, on the south side for the last couple of years. Why didn't they go after a guy like Council? I mean, here's Craig Council, a Notre Dame grad. A tremendously popular player 
uh, of all different levels when when he was playing. I mean, he went from a utility player to all-star to uh, all-around guy, good, great in the clubhouse, great manager, and it doesn't seem like the White Sox made a move for him, and yet the Cubs did. Um, there was a, there was a, a story, <clears throat> a story, a theory. I'm sure it's still there somewhere. I'm sure the guy wrote the article's long dead. But there was a theory that uh, great managers aren't necessarily <clears throat> great managers. <clears throat> well, they might be, but they they use their panache to only get situations that'll work for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, like when Lou Holtz came to Notre Dame. Um, he had a big name. Why he had one, I don't know, but he did. But he but he showed up. With him came a tremendous new dedication to football, a massive new pr- indoor practice facility, all those kinds of things that came with it. Mm-hmm. And it's that you 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 if you have the right name, you put yourself in a spot to succeed. And I'm not so sure. That's right. Not so sure that Craig Council wants to go and die on the Sox bench. Well, you're right about that, and, and but I mean, I think from from a fan's perspective, and I would hope from a management perspective, they would see what uh, uh, many mistakes they've made, both in, um, in in choosing their managers over the last several years, the last several choices, plus the lack of enthusiasm from the team. I mean, they need to have a guy, uh, otherwise they're going to lose even more fans. I mean, the way they've been playing the last couple of years, when you look at them on paper, and you look at the the uh, amount of talent that they have on paper, um, they should be doing a lot better, which tells me that it's a clubhouse issue and a management issue more than anything else. And then you look at the Cubs, and the Cubs have, I think, even outplayed, even when you look at things like that getting Dan Swanson and, and, some, and Cody Bellinger last year, they're making the moves. Uh, in looking at quality guys as well, and then they go out and make a move like this for Council instead of Ross. But remember, they did the same thing with Joe Madden. Yeah, a couple well, of years ago when when uh, Joe Madden was hired. Yeah, this idea that uh, you know they have this mentality though that that you know you can't drive to Dan Ryan or unless you drove it before, and you can't have sex unless you had sex before. I mean, at some point, some somebody like Ross is going to make it to the World Series. And it's going to be his first time. <laughs> it's just going to be his mm-hmm. time. The idea yeah. that you can only get there with somebody who's been there before. Um, you know, I, I don't know about that. You know, I don't, unless. But I thought Ricky Ricky Renteria, <laughs> given the fact that the Sox have always had a pretty serious Latin American bent to their team, I thought he was the perfect guy. I couldn't wait to get rid of him. I agree. No, I, I agree. And then dumping him for Larusa was yeah, was, it was a really horrible mistake. Yeah. Well, Larusa's still a consultant, right? He's still in charge. He is still a consultant. Yep. Uh, I don't know if he's in charge, but he still has the ear of Reinsdorf, and he is still around the Sox camp. Yeah, it's a, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's uh, bizarre. Well, the article I, w- I was referring to had to do with, um, God, who's the guy who won the Super Bowl as the Giants coach, and then he was out. What the hell was his name? Big guy. Uh, you know, he was all these. A lot of these young younger coaches now came from his tree. What was his name? Uh, and then he ended up t- coaching. Bill Parcells. The, yeah. Then he. Was out of football. There was some, you know, yep. some story with the Giants, and then he he came back to the Jets of all places. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, now "Why the hell?" Would, somebody saying, "Why would he take that job?" Well, Brendan, you and I and Greg, they were the Jets was back when they played fourteen games. Uh, were one in thirteen, I believe. They had something like twenty three guys or some huge number, an IR, and they had like I don't know how many draft picks in the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. So, right for the choosing you, for the right manager. Yeah, right you, you, you and I, 
could have walked in there and we'd have taken Greg with us and we would have there's no way we weren't, we weren't going to win seven games the next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we, we're getting the equivalent of like 24 new players that were good. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was like mm-hmm. a, it was like the, like the portal in college for God's sake. Right. You know, and he was there. and He lasted a few years. I don't think he made it to the Super Bowl, but he had, you know, he did. I think he was pretty good for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then he just, yeah. you know, got tired of it again. But uh, but then you know, the Parcells tree was like the uh, Belichick tree, right? Everybody who worked mm-hmm. for him ended up with head coaching jobs for a while. But yeah. uh. Well, what do you make of uh, um, what's going on with the the markets and uh, you know the whole the whole thing going here with the interest rates and everybody all of a sudden is cheering yet the mortgage rates are incredibly high at eight percent considering the ten year is uh, four four point six. So it seems like every record here, every stretch is kind of screwing the consumer at some point. Um, and uh, I don't know if you. If you re- uh, were listening yesterday, that building here in d- downtown Chicago sold for, uh, you had the tweet, Greg, it was, uh, it, it sold for $45 million in, in, in 2014, it sold for 122 and Morgan Stanley's got an $88 million mortgage on the place. Which building was that? 173 West something something. John, John, hmm. uh, John Flanagan thought he knew the building, but he wasn't positive. Um, 173 West somewhere, it was an office building. I mean, what hmm. the hell over? That's kind of a, that's a horrible. Yeah. What? I, I what think is it, Greg? That there's just. Greg, we didn't hear you. What you Seventy-two dollars per square foot was the price. Yeah. Which is, you know, as low as it's been. That's pretty mm-hmm. low. But the mortgage is like I, double the price. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when you look at downtown buildings here, it's really, really amazing how the valuation has changed over the last, you know, five, ten years. Um, and COVID had a big thing to do with it, but there were still a lot of people moving out of the, the traditional loop corridor, the LaSalle Street corridor for the West Loop and for uh, for West Becker Drive and Union Station, or not Union Station, uh, the post office over the last few years, which is really decimating the downtown area. I mean, I've walked down there recently and, and, and just remember, I mean, the, the, where the rookery is, Brooks Brothers, yeah, empty, empty store where Brooks Brothers is, and Boy, when I was when I was down there all the time, I figured how could Brooks Brothers ever go out of business down there? Uh, and but you know the whole place has been decimated, and everything has kind of shifted away from the the traditional LaSalle Street corridor, which is a little strange. Well, I think it, you know, unfortunately, uh, I don't know. The word is not the word is not demographics. Uh, I don't know what the word is. That isn't some some pot shot, but it's a. Uh, it used to be that having the the uh, rapid transit where people could get there really easy was a positive. Now you don't want people getting here easy because the wrong well, people I are think, showing up. I think there's a there's a difference between the rapid transit CTA and the metro. You still want the metro lines feeding the downtown areas, but you're right that the the CTA is not in a good position right now, either with their service or uh, from a safety feature. I don't, uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to this whole post office thing. All they've really done is, is pilfer rents from the downtown area. What is, what, I mean, some suburban areas, they, they brought some suburban corporations there too, like Walgreens, I think, came in from Deerfield. But you're right. It, it, and that's, well, that was also the shift, even if you look at some of the buildings in uh, Fulton Market or all the ones on that yeah. corridor on, on Wacker Drive, they just pilfered all of the. The, the entities from LaSalle Street and over from Wabash, like the CNA building 
at 333 Wabash. lost all of its tenants to one of the buildings, the BMO building, I think it was. But the west side is still nowhere near as vibrant as the loop used to be. No, it's not, and it's also harder to get to. Yeah, well, I think that's, that's part of the allure, actually. Yeah. The only problem is I have people that, uh, my buddies that work over there, matter of fact, one of the guys at a law firm that was in the Monadnock building, and they moved to the west side. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it was because there's nobody in the Monadnock building, the west side's got some action, but the poor guy's got to drive home every night. With the Kennedy like this, it's like an hour to get to, my, yeah. to, get to, to, get to DePaul, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's brutal. We're, we're here, you just hop on the Ravens when you're home. Mm-hmm. You know. It's interesting you mentioned the Monadnock building because that is the tallest building in the world that does not have a steel structure. Yep. It was the last of the of the skyscrapers to not have a steel structure. And it because of its proximity to the federal courts, that building was just filled with small law firms. Small right. law firms so that's solo what he practitioners. Is. Yeah, that's what he is. Solo practitioners and two, three person law firms because the rent was relatively cheap. It was in a great location if, if you practice in federal court. And it was near the train stations. And right next door, you had the Union League Club for, for any events. I, uh, I've, been, I've been working on some, I don't know, Brendan, I don't know if I want to even send it out to people, but I've been kind of researching uh, kind of a, an economic overhaul, not an overhaul, an economic overview of the last four or five years. And I... I almost don't want to send it out to anybody because the more I look at it, I cannot believe what is what has happened in terms of wealth shift in the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't I don't think anybody's really woken up to it. I'm I'm sort of trying to, but I've never seen anything like this where the uh, with anybody who has who has had cash and doesn't own something. In, in, or who doesn't have uh, an asset that is or, or stocks or something, or some kind of contract or some place where you can you can raise prices, has just been the, the the shift between them and the other people. And if you just had a million dollars underneath the bed, you got six hundred, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I when why don't I guess I don't know if I want people to wake up to it. What if you were somebody overseas? You know. You know <laughs> I, the idea, I mean, I was just talking to somebody the other night, you know, bright person, and they, they were totally ragging on oil prices going up. And I said, oil prices aren't up at all. What do you mean? I said, the price of the dollar's down. The, mm-hmm. the dollar's down. Oil prices, oil compared to gold, oil compared to, compared to TV sets, oil compared to buildings, is not up at all. We, we continually have this mindset that everything, that this dollar is a storehouse of value when our... Our people that we hired essentially said it's not anymore, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I don't know how this shakes out. I mean, I, you see it, you see it everywhere, Brandon. Right? I went to the uh, Chick Fil A for my workers on Saturday. The guy in front of me's got his two teenage daughters and his younger son. Eighty-one bucks for lunch, and then on the way wow. walk, walking out the door, <laughs> I see they're hiring people for seventeen to eighteen dollars an hour. So, four hours work doesn't even get you lunch for your three kids. Yeah, I mean we're we're, <coughs> I mean, we're, we're in a bizarre th- this this separation here is is like something I've never this is nothing like the '60s and '70s. This is way worse. Well, it's way worse because we're starting from a different point. I mean, when you look at what what things cost back then as a starting point, it it ramped up. So, um, 
we have to take that into account. But, you know, I was reading an article the other day where they were just talking about McDonald's prices and McDonald's earning much more. And it's not that they're doing more in volume. It's because of their price increases. Yeah. And there was uh, they mentioned in the article that there was a special on um, on a Big Mac meal for eighteen seighty five. Can you imagine that? Eighteen nineteen dollars for a Big Mac meal. Well, and then you multiply that by the, the family you saw Chick Fil A yeah. by four. That you're talking eighty hundred bucks with taxes. Yeah, I don't. I don't mean this. I don't see how we can. Uh, so, of course, on Sunday morning at the time change, I'm at the Menards crack of dawn. And uh, I need a I need a gallon of rustoleum and a gallon of stain, and I got two things of caulk, 140 bucks. Wow. How in God's name do you do you think you're going to remodel your house? We were talking to Nancy yesterday about how many how many people because they can't move with their three and a half percent mortgage mm-hmm. are, are are trying to get home equity loans to put you know the extra bedroom, the extra bathroom, build a garage, whatever you have to do in your place and remodel it. And uh, and actually, a lot of homes are, have become dated. So you're just going to update the place you're living and maybe make it nicer instead of going somewhere else. There's no way you can go from a three and a half percent mortgage to an eight. Nope. Uh, and uh, and how I, I can't imagine what that cost is. Of uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I bought two, two sheets of plywood, forty bucks a sheet. Forty bucks wow. a sheet for plywood. I mean, really? I mean, uh, I don't I don't see how in God's name you can. Been, I mean, I've been doing. I you know I've always made my finger in construction from when I did it when I was a kid. I uh, I don't see how you can do that anymore. I mean, I don't. Even, I can't even imagine. Uh, well, I don't. You know, I got too much other stuff to do, managing money and stuff. But if I found a place that needed, uh, you know, bathroom a fixer upper, yeah, fix, fix, you know, just kitchens and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I I can't even imagine what if you had to do even simple stuff. You know, twenty five gallons of paint or something and the brushes and I I don't know. I mean, even if even if you have People, they're not, they're not hosing you on the, uh, on their, on their labor. But still, you got to pay mm-hmm. somebody, you got to pay somebody twenty five, thirty bucks an hour. I mean, or else, or else you don't like the guy, well, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> but, but you've also hit on, on another, on another topic that, and that is that with the disparity in, in wealth, that also means that workers need to get paid more. Well, sure. Sure. The cycle, and, and then you look at, you know, what are corporate profits relative to what are the earnings. And you know this is true whether you're looking at the the actors' strike and what their oh, yeah. potential for AI, but also the, the auto workers. You know who, in 2008, did a lot to save the auto industry by the give ups, and are now asking for some of that back. And it's a, a, a better argument for them to make when you're looking at the auto executives who are making record profits for the company and tremendous salaries, and yet and, you know, and none of the money is going to the shareholders. Right. It's, you know, it shouldn't right now. Well, we have, but we haven't had. You know, what I'm saying is, is, is Eric was the first. I, we have to get Eric back as he moved to the south side. I've kind of lost track of him, but he was the guy that said, "You know, we have to be aware of this management class." Mm-hmm. Because for for a long time, you know, back in the 1800s and stuff, the owners pretty much rode roughshod over anybody, everybody. Right. But they were the owners, you know, and mm-hmm. and, it, and in time between unions and between some competition in some areas. Uh, the unions maybe got some power for a while, because, but now neither one of them, the workers or the owners, have the problem power. It's this management class that never did anything except manage. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, your, your people at Pfizer now—they're not—they're not the people who invented the drugs. And, you know, I mean, Commonwealth Edison. Does anybody really care if you pay a dividend? I mean, you, you pay it enough just because you've always paid it. 
But if you were in the, if you were in the in the boardroom and said, I think we should pay a dividend instead of buy more stock back, God, that'd be like a stink bomb in church. I mean, you'd never right. you'd never be asked back. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's all about. When you look at some of these, especially the some of these high tech companies. Stock starts out at ten. They pump it up, pump it up, pump it up, or or, or people just like it. It's got a future. It goes mm-hmm. to it goes to sixty. One of the bumps has got you know a bazillion shares of uh, of uh, stock options at twenty. He, he cashes it in for three hundred million dollars, and all of a sudden the stock would run him back down again. And yet there's a guy with three hundred million, and nobody else got a dime. Right. And this I I don't know how uh, this somehow. I don't, I don't know about how it's going to change, but I mean the owner should should get some money. I mean I, all you talk, all people talk about is is buying stock back, and nobody talks about just paying people a dividend. I don't mm-hmm. get right, and, and it's it's all because who's getting what in the taxes, and mm-hmm. people and people getting stock options. I mean for those on the show, I mean I, I think most of the listeners here knows what I'm talking about. But if if you got a stock that's trading eighty bucks, and, and you have a two two ridiculously crazy CEOs like Brendan and me and we decide we're going to pay a $3 di- dividend <clears throat> you're going to get 3 bucks in the mail so the stock opens up at 77 but mm-hmm. you're getting 3 bucks. I mean that that's the identity there but if if you have a a, uh, <clears throat> a stock option at 90 that's I just I just took a chunk out of your hide right I mean cuz it's not going to get to 90 because <clears throat> we're paying out the money so somehow or another Somebody with a genius streak in them has to reward people that have these company stack options for a special dividend. You got to get mm-hmm. something; otherwise, the vote is skewed. Is that a fair statement? Well, also, I mean, I think that the better holistic view for the company and for the economy is also to make sure that it's reinvested in the company and uh, given to people lower down the chain. Maybe not the management class, but the people who are actually doing the work for you. Right, but I mean, if you if you do get profits at some point. The people who own the place should get a should get a spiff. I agree. I agree. And uh, what I also would one of the I don't know why this we don't have much time, Brennan, but I don't know if I've run this one by you before. One of the simplest changes we could make in our tax law, and I don't know why we don't do it. Uh, that would I think solve a lot of this. <clears throat> would solve places like uh, Berkshire Hathaway with ninety bazillion dollars no dividend. Why don't we just make the corporate Income tax rate, the same as the individual, because why should it be different? And ob- the reason why it's different is because you double taxate and let people deduct the dividends. <coughs> if you can d- just deduct the dividends and let the mm-hmm. let the person who gets them pay, that way the rate's higher, but you pay only pay once. once. You only pay once. Mm-hmm. That would that would stop a lot of this. Oh no, we can't ever pay a dividend. We need you know 160 billion dollars so we can run and buy up all the all the other countries companies. More is never enough. You no, have to get but, bigger and bigger. But why? Why can't something <laughs> simple like that just just happen? Too simple, chief. You're you're too simple-minded. Oh, that's the truth. Well, no, I'm from the south side. What can I tell you? <laughs> By the way, are you the new uh, the new big benefactor to Leo High School? Uh, no, I'm not. What's what's the story about Leo High School? Well, didn't uh, wasn't Ryan the guy who just died from the bears? Wasn't he the big benefactor for a long time? Um, I I don't know. I think he was. Hmm. You, you went to grammar school. You didn't go to the high school, right? I went to San Leo Grammar School, yeah. I, I lived a block away from the high school, but I went to the grammar school. You went to Brother Rice? Yep. Brother Rice guy. How did you, uh, what was it? What kind of bus? How did you get over there? You have to go- uh, well, at the time that we that I was in Brother Rice, I, we're in Little Flower Parish. Oh, okay. So okay. I could either take 
the Ashland bus to 103rd and 103rd Street bus over, which oh. came into the Brother Ice parking lot, or I could go across 79th to Pulaski and Pulaski down. I had two options. All right, because, yeah, I remember saying, because uh, I, think, I think it was Ryan, it was the big, well, the guy who pretty much kept Maris to float was Jim Tyree. Yeah, and, I know. The, yeah. Uh, well, who's the guy I'm talking about? Who's the guy who just died? Uh, who was the big benefactor? He was I'm a, drawing a blank. I'm not sure who it he is. He was the big bear. He was the bear. Uh, um, he, he was the executor of the Hallis Will and the whole bit. What the hell is his name? Oh, I'll think of it. Ugh, I don't feel like a dumb, dumb, dumb. I'll, I'll think of it. Uh, plus, I don't. Let me know when, when you remember who it is. Send me a text. Yeah. Plus, I don't. Uh, I don't want to put anybody in a grave who's not there yet. That's right. <laughs> I want to do that. No. SP Futures down ten. Nancy Futures down twelve. <laughs> Be right back with Joel and Cannon. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom <clears throat> Greg Pappas on the board. We have S&P futures down 11. We're down some, but not, not that much. We've been up for five, six days in a row. Uh, NASDAQ futures down 13. Dow futures down 95. Individual stocks in the Dow. I've got Chevron Texaco down a buck 12. Caterpillar down a buck 28. Nothing, nothing of any kind of magnitude. Man, Microsoft's actually up a buck 92 at uh, 358. Uh, we got Nvidia down 309. No, it's not in the Dow, but it's a, a big stack. We've got Apple up down 63 cents. So nothing, nothing. Uh, yesterday was a very quiet day compared to the three days before. It was a very much of an inside day. Just kind of sat here, which is I don't know, but it was relieving or not. But it was it was quiet. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, uh, DAX down 36.2 percent. 
Footsie down four, call that flat. Kick around down 35.5, so slightly down, not much. Asia, which has been all over the place. Uh, <clears throat> Nikkei down, was up like 700 yesterday. Down 436, 1.3%. Hang Seng down 296, back well under 17,000, 1.6. 17,670, Shanghai down a buck, call that flat. One of the causes for this, yesterday South Korea decided they weren't going to let people short sell anymore. Duh. So the stock is up 5%, now today it's down 2%. Go figure. Um, yesterday Dow was up 34, S&P up 7, NASDAQ up 40. So we finished up on the day, we were kind of flopping around the flight line almost all day. Uh, bonds on three basis points, 4.64, one down three, 2.70. Japan uh, unchanged at 0.88. Oil down a buck 37, under 80 dollars again. 79 dollars 45 cents. Rent down a buck 50, 83.68. Natural gas down nine cents, 317. Our uh, Bob down three cents. Greg and I were talking yesterday about how, man, if you just if you just started two wars, you would think oil would be over 100 bucks, and it isn't. Everybody just keeps predicting it, and it never gets there, at least lately. Uh, gold backing off here, down 21 bucks, 1967, still in the high 1900. Silver down. 60 cents back under 23 22.63 what did I say when I went over 23 uh, Greg the last 100 times it's been a sell there and it was again until we do it I guess copper down 5 cents 366 Bitcoin down 270 34,710 the dollar which has been getting crumpled um, is actually up a little bit today with the euro at 106.8 was over 107 and the pound is 123 it was almost pushing 124 we got for us traffic weather sports Good morning, everyone. It's 637 here in Chicago. We've got 48 degrees right now, 52 and cloudy today. Phoenix, 64 degrees right now, 89 today, warm with a lot of sunshine. Traffic, inbound Kennedy from Montrose is 21 minutes inbound. Edens from Lake Cook, 44 minutes. Ike from Wolf is 29 minutes. Inbound Ryan from 95th to the Interchange, 20 minutes. And the Stevenson from I-294 to the Ryan is 29 minutes. Sports? Chargers beat the Jets 27 to 6. That was never close. <laughs> no. And then there was a whole lot of never close matches in college basketball. Kansas winning by 43. Purdue and Houston both won by 53. Marquette by 22. And uh, preseason number four, Michigan State loses to James Madison. That was uh, 79 to 76. Ouch. Yeah. Anyways, that's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Do we have uh, Mr. Joel? Good morning, Chief. Hey, how are you? Well, we're doing well. Hey, what do you make of, uh, what is it going to, I'm going to ask you, uh, was Detroit ever caught up? I, I think, and Greg's going to know better than me, I think we had quite a bit of office space here in Chicago. I say quite a bit, not like 20% of it or anything. A lot of, we work had a lot of the leases here, didn't they? Were they uh, yeah, they. I believe they had uh, one major building in Detroit, um, which obviously they didn't. Uh, they didn't fill up. But uh, what a debacle! Bankruptcy, huh? You talk about bad timing to try and uh, go into short-term office space. They couldn't have, couldn't have timed it any worse. Yeah. Well, you wonder what this once valued at forty-seven billion files for bankruptcy. I'd love to have a, a list of all the execs that came out of there with millions of dollars and the stock was up up at the high. No, nobody's got anything. No, uh, yeah, that uh, $550 uh, traded over back in uh, mid-2021. Of course, you know, but a lot of re- reverse splits in there. Uh, but that uh, the one guy I'm trying to think of uh, his name on, I know he made out pretty well, but 
so many uh so many SPACs, so many companies like that ended up going that way that was uh definitely a, a time in the market where a lot of uh not many people made money but they were very focal the ones that did and then a lot of people lost a lot of money chief well, a lot of people there what was the guy's name newman you said greg adam, adam newman adam newman uh i just uh <clears throat> i don't know I, it's the south side meet it says when everybody loses money and one guy makes a gazillion because of some trumped-up thing, I, I always have a problem with that. But I guess that's the way it works. You know, what can you say? What uh, what do you make of this uh, huge rally after the Fed basically hmm. said we're we're stopping here? Uh, we, is, 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 are we, are, <laughs> Chief, I, 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 you know, I, the Fed, the the media, the you know, the people that interpret what they say. Uh, you know they can they can take what is word you know Mince's words. I mean I, I I mean I didn't think that it was. I thought some of the other talks that they gave that they said were so hawkish and they think that this one is so dovish. Um, I think he's just middling it. You know I, I I really don't think it was. I think the market was just at an inflection point where you just kind of ran out of sellers and then you know and the market was prime and uh, looking for a catalyst and. Uh, and his speech, what he said, was was the catalyst for us. And you mentioned the rally; it's a six-day rally in the S and P. We haven't had too many of those, but uh, you know, you gotta you gotta think about the factors that can make this rally continue. And oh boy, I <laughs> I can't. It's hard for me to identify, you know, what the next move is here. You know, over 4,400 in the S and Ps. Uh, the best thing we can do is just, you know, hang in here a little bit, build a little base, and perhaps we get to those inflation numbers uh, in the middle of the month. But the inflation numbers weren't great last month either, so I just don't think it's a it's a foregone conclusion that the Fed is done. I uh, here's here's what I took away from the body language and the whole bit was there there's there's no no chance that they're going to really attack. I'll say the price level. In other words, they're not going to try and back it off from where it is, which I've suspected for a while, and I think you have too. So we're, we're, we're talking about the inflation rate going forward, and I also thought he said, we're going to get to 2%, but we don't really care if we get there like this week. We'll, we'll, we'll get there, which means God knows when, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, which I think both of those are, are amazingly uh, dovish in the sense that I, re- I really believe that their, that their main function is from whoever it is they control them, and I know you don't, you're not as much of a conspiracy guy as me, is they have to keep asset prices up here because rich people have assets. That, that, that unfortunately, I think, well, of course, I have assets too, so it's not like I don't like, I don't want that to happen, but, but I'm saying that's, if we're going to choose between the regular person being able to afford something, and we're going to choose between uh, as, fixed assets going down, we're going to choose fixed assets going up. And that's, I, I think that's what this Fed's doing. I mean, they've done it from day one. They're not the only ones. Every Fed's been doing that for the last how many years? And I'm not saying it's all wrong. I'm just saying that's that's what they're doing. They got a tough job on their hands. Oh, I yeah. You know, two percent. I mean, uh, he could say we're going to get it to two percent all he wants, but uh, to me that seems like an unachievable goal. And and what? Why is that the standard? It was a standard, right, for several years. Why does it have to be two percent? I I see as I, I think it's going to be two and a half or three i mean if you look at the real rate now i mean it's coming down it's it's you know certainly not two percent but the first part was easy 
Uh, the second part, you know, you know, coming down off nine percent was fairly easy, but uh, that the the last part is going to be extremely difficult. Well, I mean, at this point, when you've had cars and everything else go up forty percent in four years, does it really matter going forward whether it's two or three percent? I mean, half the population is never going to afford a new car now. Whether it's two percent or three, they're not going to be able to do it three years from now. I mean, nobody, nobody. Well, especially, I mean, uh, especially about their financing, right? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, yep. Now, there's a lot of things, you know, a lot of things coming in down the road, as you know, as far as uh, you know, potential negatives. Um, you know, people that have, have these low mortgage rates are going to have to face the music that you know didn't lock in the 30 years, and uh, uh, people trying to buy new cars. I mean, there, there's a lot of things. I mean, they're they're you know, there's eventually these big ticket items are just becoming. You know, more and more uh, difficult to afford, and that's being reflected. Um, it's being reflected in their share price. But uh, people are still finding money to spend. Chief, oh, yeah. they're they're still they're still finding money to spend. You know, if that's gonna if that's gonna go on forever, um, we all know from our past history it doesn't. Well, every every big report lately from McDonald's all the way down the chain, everybody has said that the that the amount of widgets sold is less than the prices carrying them up. I don't know how far you can go with that, but uh, clearly they've made it this far. And you know, I just, I mean, uh, Nancy who comes on, our mortgage lady comes on on uh, Monday. She said pretty much everybody that had, you know, over the last eight years, virtually everybody had refinanced. I mean, you didn't see too many people that didn't go from six to three and a half. I mean, the people that are that are in the house at three and a half, unless you get divorced or get a, have to get a new job someplace, ain't moving. Yeah, you're, you're well, and you're and you're fairly okay. You know, you're fine. Uh, the the price she said the price for um, if you can't move and you need another bedroom and bathroom because you popped out another kid, uh, the price for that is going up in terms of not only the the price of the of the addition on top, but the financing of the addition. Uh, but that's going up, but still it's better than moving. You know I mean? Got it, chief. Hey, just a quick programming note. I'll send you uh, send you an email. I'm going to be out next Tuesday, but uh, I'll send you guys an email uh, a reminder of that. But uh, just uh, for you know, just a quick technical note. But you know, before I go, I mean, we, we got a, we got a important couple days in our hands here. We you know no big catalyst. We have Disney tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but we, you know, you, you have these rallies, right? And they, you know, you start to bring the sellers out. People are still selling on strength here. So, sure, like to see us hold above this forty-three six, forty-three fifty, forty-three sixty area uh, over the next couple days. Or you know how this market comes. Yep. You know, easy come, easy go. So, go blue, chief. And are you? Uh, uh, are they interviewing you for the new head coaching job? Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. You just wait. We're going to turn the tables on everybody. The story is just getting going, Chief, and oh, we got it. Next thing's the uh, next. Uh, let's uh, beat those Nittany Lions. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. But that'd be a good game. That's going to be a great yep. game. Yep. Go Blue. Take care, bud. SB Futures on. down 10. NASDAQ Futures down 13. Are we going right to Kenny, or you want to go break, Greg? Where are you? We're going to break. Okay, let's go to break. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Right now. Low and low stocks and jocks. I'm Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures down 12. ASA Futures down 19. Um, I wouldn't put us in the negative column for the whole day yet. I mean, it's only early. We could we could come back from this. It's not very much. Um, who do we have? We got me and Hal. You and you got the professor. Yeah. Professor, how are you, buddy? Just messing around here. What are you, uh, is he on or what are we doing here? Hello? There you are. Oh, I, I was just listening to the show. <laughs> you're listening? Well, now, now you're here. All right, cool. Um, we must have, Kenny must have notified, not, not been able to, pile in today but who knows he may still if he does we'll pile him on but so what's going on with you anything what's going on in uh, in, in uh, alumnus land well i'm in uh new york um the kids are home because in new york uh election day is a holiday so the kids are home from school so i'm having to talk to you guys uh from the front enclosed patio of my in-laws house <laughs> god well listen why uh who are you electing well, I'm not electing. I'm actually uh, a resident of North Carolina. That's my permanent residence. I'm just uh, in town uh, for uh, occasionally each week. Um, I'm in town this week because, you know, the kids are off and whatnot. So I uh, teach uh, in the online program at ANT State University in Greensboro. And uh, so I'm, 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 uh, should be voting in North Carolina, but there's not very many people I can vote for. I mean, i got to either vote for Republican or Democrat. And uh, I, my choices are limited. I'd like to vote for a libertarian who could make an argument, a libertarian argument, but there's far and few between on the far and few uh, of them. So uh, me voting uh, makes almost absolutely no difference because uh, I think the libertarian percent of the vote is about one percent. Yep. What? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm extremely cynical this morning, uh, Tom. That's okay. I I, uh, I I was going over the what I think of the monetary moves of the last five years and I am coming to conclusion it's the it's the biggest shift in in uh, wealth we've ever seen in society ever and well I, yeah it's it's quite it's you know a lot like Germany I think I mean yeah the uh, landowners the property holders the people who own commercial and, and residential real estate they did pretty well during inflation so the, the people that own the real estate they're they're probably all right you know uh, their rents are going up uh, their mortgages are staying flat because mortgages don't your principal doesn't rise in inflation and when your rents rise um, as fast as they are uh, if you have a, a, a substantial inflation uh, your rents can pay down your principals pretty quick uh, without a doubt I uh, it's but you know I think the difference to me is you can point to these individual cases and I you know I do a lot uh, you know the Weimar Republic. You can look at Argentina, Venezuela. Obviously, you can look at Turkey. All these places have runaway inflation, and every in every spot, if you look at their stock markets, their stock markets all all shoot to the moon in their currency. Yeah. But 
but because they're not the reserve currency, everybody says, so what? It's, it's going up in Turkish currency, but the Turkish currency is going down so fast that it doesn't make any difference. I've, I've never seen, I mean, somewhere, maybe you could tell me, uh, somewhere back in the day when somebody might have had somewhat of a, a reserve currency. I don't know, did anybody ever really have a reserve currency like, like we do? Well, I kind of think you know maybe gold or silver were kind of like well, that's right. They, they, yeah, yeah. They, I was going to say it was always a commodity of some kind. Yeah, yeah. and if, if a country debased its gold currency or its silver currency by mixing in other metals with it, uh, it would devalue. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think we have examples of it. If you look at uh, the where the word millionaire came from, it came from the period of time where uh, John Law, uh, kind of a a rogue. Uh, Scott, he was thrown in jail for um, having a duel um, with the guy that he had he had an affair with this guy's wife and they had a duel and he got thrown in jail and he bribed himself out of jail and he ended up in France and he was really good at the tables, you know the, the, the gambling tables and, and did really well and the king's men noticed him and they put him in charge of their bank <laughs> and the next thing you know you have this thing called the Mississippi bubble and Richard Cantillon, one of my favorite uh, economists was telling the guy, look, you're creating this, you know, asset bubble. And Richard Cantillon's like the Michael Blurry of his day. And he he sold at instead of going short, he was long. He got out, he sold his he sold his properties. He sold uh, at the height and then he escaped to Italy where he could have, you know, avoid the the guillotine. And uh, that bubble burst and we we call that bubble the Mississippi bubble. And it was it was inflated on titles instead of bonds. Well, but I mean, the idea, I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, our, our listeners, I think, do give a crap. Uh, like I say, nobody really gives a crap about, you know, some somebody in Poland or in Russia that manages to get, uh, you know, 10, 100 hour U.S. bills, and, and that's his storehouse of value, and now they're not. I've, I've, yeah. never, I've never seen or read about a, res- well, first, I've never seen a reserve currency like us since World War II. We're, we yeah. are the world's currency. I've never seen anybody essentially have the balls to debase a world currency like this ever yeah. this 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 is really something the more well, the, the more the I think Brits, about it the more I write it down on paper the more I, I want to almost Brits, throw it away the Brits had kind of a world a reserve currency but uh, in 1930 I believe they in one day they went off the gold standard um, and the United States went off the gold standard in domestic transactions with FDR's uh, executive order and then we went off the gold standard with Nixon's uh, executive order during his presidency so it, for the United States to go off the gold standard took you know like 30 or 40 years and us printing in God we trust on our, our own money that started appearing on our dollars in the 1950s so we we're trying to get rid of the gold standard and they were slowly erasing the L in, in gold and replacing it with the God standard yeah well it's a uh... The, the one of the most uh, educational pieces I've read, I have it here somewhere. I'm kind of cleaning it up. is written by a guy, and who knows, maybe Greg can get him on. But he be, he works for one of these think tank kind of places, and he's a monetary economist. And he put a paper together that I would actually love to ask him if I can send it out to the listeners. It's about well, it's about eight it. pages long, and it basically gives a, 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 an inflationary history, a monetary history of the U.S. Yeah, in, in about as concisely as I've ever seen it done. Um, I'm sure he, you know, he, he banked on the work of Milton Friedman. Those people who did all that research. I can't even yeah. imagine how the hell they did that, but they did. Uh, but 
I was, I, you know, I'm supposed to know some of this stuff. I was astounded by the difference between the Union and the Confederacy during the Civil War. And that's why I was so up in arms what we did with the COVID. Uh, because in the, in the Civil War, which was had to be the worst, you know, crisis that ever hit this country. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I can't imagine, other, other than maybe the Revolution. World War II was bad, but wasn't as bad as fighting yourself. Uh, the, the Union side, and, and we know there was no central bank, but somebody managed the stuff, only increased their money supply by like 10% a year. So the money really never, there was never an inflationary bulge on the, on the a little bit. But, f- you know, 10% a year for four years is not like we did, you know, 40% in 18 months or whatever we did during COVID, right? After, yeah. after a whole period of time, we're, when 2009, we were doing 8% a year on t- before that, right? So it was just, you know, it was like, it was like piling, you know, water on, on the ocean or something. But the, uh, where the, the South, on the other hand, did just the opposite. Not only did they push more money into the system, but they were so lame that the money they pushed out there was um, easy to counterfeit. So you can, you can, you can totally, what was, what was the Confederate dollar? I mean, I, I've seen pictures of them. I don't know if they've ever held one, but they, evidently they were really easy to counterfeit, you know, which I wouldn't know that, but... So they, they, they managed to totally screwed up. So their currency fell apart, so did their economy, where the, where the unions didn't. And, you know, obviously the bullets helped and the amount of people and the production the North had, but you could make the case that the reason why the, the North won was because of the way they controlled their currency versus the South. Yeah. And after, well, when you when you inflate your currency 10%, but your, uh, but your neighbors... Um, or your, your trading partners inflate at a more rapid rate. Yeah, that's kind of the situation we find ourselves today. Well, but but after the interesting part was after the war, I mean Lincoln went off the gold standard, right? But he wanted to get back. Well, it wasn't him; he was dead. But they wanted to get back on it, so they f- actually withdrew the greenbacks, which they did print from the society. So the idea that you can't, and yet after the Civil War, that five or six years, according to Milton Friedman's book, was one of the most biggest increase in terms of productivity and in terms of uh, real real uh, production that we've ever had. At the same time, prices were going down because yeah. they were... They were well, I think that, that, you, you, you can have a deflationary... I mean, these, these yeah. buffoons today don't think that you can have growth in a def- deflationary environment. Yes, you can. Yeah. I, I believe you can, yeah. Uh, the people that don't want deflation are the the landlords. They oh yeah, without a doubt. Well, yeah, they don't want they don't want the deflation. Yeah. Well, let, well, let's you know let's, owner, let's be blunt about it. Can't have yeah. But it's early in the, the morning. Let's be blunt about it. The people who control the government, control the mm-hmm. assets, want inflation. Yeah, the real estate markets want inflation. Uh, local governments want inflation. They they can get property tax increases while increasing the rate if there's an inflation if the property values go up. So um, the car manufacturers got to have inflation, right? Well, the bank's got to yeah. have inflation. Well, the, it, one of the interesting, most interesting statements that Milton Friedman never made is one of the reasons why you have to beware inflation is that when it first starts to happen, it feels so good. It goes, it's like your first beer. Yeah. You know. I would say it's more like a hit. A, I've never had crack. No, me neither. Or coking. Uh, I've never had before. I've had a, a couple hits on some marijuana, and I never th- saw the big deal. Did, now, did you inhale? Oh, I inhaled, yeah. I tried. I inhaled. <laughs> I mean, I'm an addictive person. I have an addictive personality. Um, the first time I smoked cigarettes was in a bar, the Phoenix Underground in Seattle when I was in the Navy, and I was a little tipsy. 
and all they had was Camel and filters. Oh, yeah. And I, I smoked the whole pack that night. What did, uh, what did and your then lungs 10 years later like? in graduate school, I, did, I did the, redid the experiment, and both times, the Camel and filters made me sick for four days, and I never smoked since. Oh, God. But yeah, I'm an addicted person, so I, I've inhaled uh, marijuana at least three times. And, my buddy uh, Doug Buffon used to smoke the Camel Unfilters up in the first half. Oh, oh man. God. It's nasty. Oh, it's nasty. But yeah. I, I would say it's more like uh, uh, cocaine, right? Which were... Yeah, uh, the first tip from what I hear is really good. When, uh, out of all those old cigarettes that weren't filtered, which which were worse? The Camel, the Lucky Strike, or the, what was the other one? Chesterfields or something? Ooh. All I know is unfiltered is nasty, and it's probably the reason why they were behind the counter both times. I decided I wanted to smoke. <laughs> oh God! Well, the uh, <laughs> the second time I was in a PhD program, Tom, so I wasn't the smartest guy in my PhD program. Well, Eric, uh, um, Eric May, who's I have to get him back on as a guest. Been too long, um, especially since the adjunct professors at Columbia College, his school, are on big time strikes. So maybe he doesn't yeah. maybe he doesn't want to comment about that, but maybe he would. But he was a. Uh, Reporter, when he got out of school, I think I think he worked for the Washington Post. If not, it was you know it was a Washington paper, and he was a you know a guy in the street. He was Jimmy Olsen, cub reporter, and he said they he would cover one or two murders a week. And the minute crack cocaine hit Washington, he was up to ten or twelve. The the, the next wow. week, it's it was that addictive. The money in it was so much, and people had to have it. He goes, it was it it, it became a war zone like almost overnight. Wow, and. uh I mean, it's 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 nothing like, you know, having a couple of beers or, or even even a you know a, a marijuana gummy, from what I understand. And you know, the the odd part about it, um, South Side, you can walk in, you know, still go some a lot of these neighborhoods, and you'll see somebody walking, you know, down a sidewalk or crossing the street. You can recognize immediately somebody who's on that stuff. <clears throat> they, 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 you could look at them and go, I think that person's like thirty-five. They look like they're sixty. Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not like somebody who, you know, drinks a little too much and, and decides to get off it. You, you know, most of your body will come back. You know, it's, you're not. I don't think. I mean, you're talking about people losing teeth, and I mean, it's. I don't think you come back from that. I, you know, I don't want. To, I don't really want to know that any more than I know. But I, I think it's really debilitating. Uh, yeah. You know, it's you know. Well- my mom, my mom was addicted to vodka, and uh, she committed a twenty-year suicide. Um, and I always thought she wanted us to be independent, but I think what she wanted was she wanted us out of the house as soon as we um, graduated high school. She wanted us out of the house so she could just um, let loose and uh, drink herself to wow. drink herself literally to death. And you know, going through uh, childhood traumas, I realized that. My mom and my dad, they probably, you know, they're Mormon kids. They got married in Elko, Nevada, and uh, partying there. I mean, one's a daughter of a stake president, one's a, the, the son of a, a Mormon bishop, and uh, they got married in Elko, um, eloped, and they were probably partying the entire time. And then there are things that happened to me when I was a kid that I'm thinking, what was my mom thinking? And I'm thinking, she's probably day drunk. And, you know, once your body gets addicted to that, that stuff, it's a downward uh, cycle that ultimately leads to death, I think. And I think there's very little way. There's very little that you can do to get out of that cycle. I well, mean, some I think some people have a predisposition uh, towards it. Yeah. I, yeah. I had uh, this real quick story, and we'll go to break because it has nothing to do with stacks and jacks. But um, I was, one of the schools I was a janitor in, and uh, 
the guys that were older was it was a was a school on the south side. It was a grammar school, so the janitors were older, the teachers were all like a month from retirement, um, and it was the place was spotless, right? So uh, the uh, matter of fact, one morning we get about two inches of snow and it's real light stuff, right? And I was you know. I was young. <laughs> um, I showed up before anybody else, grabbed the snow shovel, and the thing was a square block. It took me half hour to, to do the block by shovel, right? I mean, it was, it was real light <laughs> snow. And uh, I come back, and the guys are, the two older guys are sitting there going, you don't mind if we change your time clock, do you? Because there was no time clock, believe it or not. It was, it was a, was a pencil-written sheet of paper. Was your, was, that's what you signed in. Not even an ink, you know. So, <laughs> so I go, you know, whatever you want. You guys are, are in charge. Yeah, you, you said you got here at six. How about if we uh, put you down at five? And I go, <laughs> I go, okay. And the guy goes, well, we got here at six fifteen, and we saw you were pretty much all done. So we signed in at six fifteen. We got to give you like another hour since you did all the work. <laughs> well, that's nice. Anyway, so the dude says to me. You know, do you like the drink? And I said, well, yeah, I go out with the guys. We play basketball, bears and stuff. And he goes, you know, he goes, you're, he goes, you ever have any real problem with it? And I said, no. He goes, you're, he goes, you're very lucky. He goes, the first time I ever had a drink, I knew I had a problem the next day. Yeah. He goes, all my yeah. buddies were hung over. As the day wore on, I got feeling worse. I needed to have more booze. He goes, I just absolutely cannot, do not have any tolerance for it at all. I mean, he goes, yeah. They, they talk about people that are alcoholics. He goes, they're not. They're just drinking too much. He goes, I'm a real alcoholic. I can't have a drop. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, the, some of the jokes on the, uh, it's not a, not a funny joke, and some of the, uh, you know, American Indians, oh, they're always drunk, blah, blah, oh, yeah. blah. Well, one of my lawyer buddies said that he was representing this guy, and he was like 2% alcohol. He was, he was way up on the test. In jail, two days later, he was still almost 2%. Wow. But he, he, he was not, his body was not breaking it down. Uh, that's scary. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, but the thing is, that, that could happen to me if I tried some of these other drugs that people do. I could have the same yeah. problem with that. I just stayed away. I figured I got one vice that I could handle. I'll stick with one vice. You know? Yeah, I got one vice, and it's, uh, it's caffeine. It's really hard for me to kick that thing, man. Oh, man. Well, you know, that, that, that keeps, they get you up in the morning, though. Yeah, but uh, it also raises my blood pressure, and uh, if I if I try to get off of it, it's like I go through physical withdrawals for like a week oh, with right. migraines that you can't believe. Well, speaking of withdrawals, what what did you make of the the Fed stuff last week? How does this all fit into what we've been talking about? Is there market was looking lousy, and all of a sudden it's looking better? Uh, gold, oil for some reason is now under eighty bucks again with two wars going on, which is somewhat bizarre. The Russians and the Saudis said they're not going to get rid of their production cuts, yet it doesn't seem to have mattered. I, I've been having an ongoing uh, running discussion, I'll say, with my more conservative creatures on the show regarding this administration's oil policy and the production of oil. And I will agree 100% that Joe Biden at least talks like he's not a fan of oil. You know, okay. And Trump talked like he was a fan of oil. And I'm going to say that Trump probably is a fan of oil and Biden probably isn't. But my point, Hal, is that the industry in my mind, as I start to look at all these numbers bigger that people keep sending me, thank you for that, by the way, the industry is bigger than the presidency, it appears. Yeah, I, th- I agree with that. Yeah. I, mean, it, it, I mean, right now the, the uh, one of the reasons I think that the Saudis and the Russians 
are basically playing with themselves uh, trying to do this is our production is up a million barrels a day since Biden's been in office. Now, yeah. we, we may, that may be despite him being in office, but the fact is, it's going up. It started to go up a little bit in Trump's last year or two, and now, but now it's, it's really going up under, under Biden. Now, I, as to if you put him in a room, I would say that Trump is more favorable, favorable to oil than Biden. Actually, in, in, in Trump's first couple terms, when the prices went down, the rig counts got obliterated when he was in office. I don't think that was his fault. It's just that prices were down. Everybody piles out, and now that the prices are going up that, to an $80 number, which it looks like they're at least sticky there, all of a sudden people are pumping more, and you got more rigs involved, and blah, blah, blah. And by the way, uh, everybody talks about the refinery capacity, how we, this guy's buried the refinery capacity. No, he hasn't. There actually was a, a pretty... Refi- refinery capacity has been almost stagnant for... 25 years. It actually had a bump up in the last last four years of Obama's presidency, which you would never have guessed. It actually went down a little bit uh, the first couple of years that Trump's then came back up. It's actually up a little bit under this guy. So yeah, is he is he a favorite of refineries? No. But, but I'm saying the industry responds to price way more than it does some presidents lip-smacking, it appears. Doesn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, the, if you look at... Uh crude oil production in the United States. It was on an upper trend before Trump became president. And then uh, COVID hit, and barrels were traded in what? Negative value? Negative well, prices. that's... You know you know what happened there. It was yeah. a, the, the futures... Yeah. IB has a... Interactive Brokers has one of the most sophisticated systems for essentially... Uh, if, if you don't have enough money to buy a stock at one minute to three and you own all these options... They're going to take you out of the trade, all right. Yeah. So, what ended up happening is they had a bunch of people who were long these oil futures when you couldn't take delivery because Cushing, Oklahoma, was full. Remember that? Yeah. So they essentially puked these guys' futures out at, at negative. Yeah. But the computer did that. No, no, yeah. no, nobody, no person sold oil for less than zero. Yeah. Now, somebody probably bought it there. I don't know how that, I'm not sure how that worked, but uh, so it, it was it was a total glitch, and he came on national TV, and it cost people a lot of dough, including his firm. Yeah. Uh, but it it was a total mess up. Whenever you have, maybe take a second here. Uh, yeah, we got Greg with us because he's an expert on all this. Every time you have a future, the, the, uh, you're, you're buying a commodity at a, at a price at a future date. If you don't have some mechanism for the spot, meaning the actual, to match up with the future. There isn't some, some kind of delivery mechanism. The two prices may never come together. So if, if you have, quickest, the easiest one is if you have corn or soybeans, there's probably four or five places that if you actually long the corn and short the future, and somehow the future never comes down to the, to the price of actual corn, you can show up with your corn and say, here it is. So that, that's the mechanism, and, and of course, the exchanges and the traders, you never, you never want to see anything delivered. It means there's somewhat of a screw-up in the system. But the delivery mechanism is what causes the prices to match up. Now, when you start to get more esoteric-type 
products like oil where there's only a couple of spots. Is it Cushing? Where's the other place, Greg? Is there is only Those one are uh, national defense, and, yeah. and you're not able to do it for security reasons. Yeah, so I mean, so there's only a certain amount of storage in, in Cushing. There's only, I mean, if you're talking about RBOB, it's delivery in New York Harbor of, na- of unleaded natural gas. So it starts to get a little squirrely because you really can't get something there. I mean, if you look at the charts on oil, which, I mean, I mean, Greg knows more about this than me. If you want to trade, like, number five crude, the delivery is like in Rotterdam or something, right, Greg? I mean, it, I mean, there, is, there always is a delivery, but whether you can get there or not is, is, you know, is certainly problematic. But that's what happened with the oil situation. People could not deliver at Cushing because everything was full in the future. Yeah. You had, but, but oil never – but oil got down to about 28 or 30 bucks legitimately, didn't yeah. it? So, yeah, no. all of a sudden you see rigs. No, nobody can make any money there, right? Nobody. Yep. So yeah. rigs are going out of, and you don't just you don't just take the rig and put it in the garage. You're probably selling it to somebody, and you're shipping it overseas. That's a massive thing, an oil rig. One of the best commodity trades, pretty much ever, was where Andrew Hall, as oil was collapsing, he had Citibank buy him tankers. Wow. And he took delivery, <laughs> and he put him put all the oil that he bought out on tankers until the price went up so he bought currently and then sold out in the future captured the spread and he just paid the storage and, and that well, was well, what about the uh who were the buffoons not everybody can buy oil tankers though. but you know what the, you know what the you know what the flip side of that was when when the russians were cutting off the natural gas to europe or everybody thought they were going to there, there are natural gas ships so, and here they filled them up with natural gas and, and they were heading to europe and everybody got the idea that the price was only going up. So they never, they just sailed around for like a month, right, Greg? They, 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 never, they never delivered. They just stayed on the ocean. Yep. And all of a sudden, they had the world's mildest winter, and the price never went up. It went down. And these guys got totally screwed by not just showing up the first day and selling it. So it doesn't always that's work. That happens when you're too smart. That's kind of what happened in the West with the railroads. When, when, when the railroad uh, shipping got too high, uh, people would find another way to ship it there. They would ship it down to Panama and then cross over the uh, the, the the Panama uh, Canal, or well, what would become the Panama Canal over land, and then they would put it on a ship and then send it up to San Francisco. So um, the thing about it is, if prices get too high, people will find a way. Well, yeah, but, with, it's, but it's really sloppy. Yeah, and I think with gas, with crude oil and gasoline in the Biden administration, after the pandemic ended and we started coming out. I mean, it kind of trended up, but not like it was. And then in the last, I think, year or two, it's really trended upward. And um, and I think what, the reason why uh, crude oil prices are and gasoline prices are so high right now, I don't think it has really much to do with the supply. I think it really is the inflation that the Fed created with that glut of money that it pumped out I, and uh, what, what Congress and the president pumped out. I think the crude oil price is more... Uh, and the, the 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 price of gasoline is really more to do this time around with all that money it printed with, with wanna, you know DC and you, were not, you must must not have been listening the first fifteen minutes. I said the price of oil is not it, it's not at eighty bucks. It's not up at all. It's the price of the dollar in your pocket has gone down. Exactly. I think that's I think that's where that that uh, gasoline uh, price is based at. I think it's mostly, and I think the crude oil price is coming down. Is indicative of the of the world economy kind of slowing, 
So I think I think the the gasoline prices we're paying is more of an inflation thing than anything else. You know, because the the federal government and the and the Fed created a huge amount of money that we're still trying to burn off. Because, we're not. We're not. They're not trying to burn off. That, that, that's what I got yeah. out of the speech last week. Because they're not going to yeah. burn it off. They're going to leave it there. Well, I think they're getting ready to reinflate because I didn't see good news in Friday's employment number. I didn't see good news. I no. mean, if you look at if you look at the original release dates of the employer survey, the establishment survey, they're they're rock stars. But the revision and the revisions of that data for the last eight months have all been massively down. Um, so I, I, did, I didn't see good news. I think a lot of people, I think 75% of Americans are going paycheck to paycheck or having extreme difficulty with the price inflation that we've had. Um, I think they're working extra jobs. I think they're uh, driving an Uber. I think they're driving a Lyft. They might be renting out a motorhome. They might be Airbnb. They might Airbnb a couple of rooms in their houses. So I think Americans are finding creative ways around this inflation. And so, to me, the Fed is going to reinflate, and that's why the stock markets are up. And gas prices are down, crude oil prices are down, probably because demand is weakening. Well, I think so I, like, I, I don't. Well, okay, I think when you look at the at the numbers, and this is what you sort of have to be careful of. What not, I'm not telling you this. I'm, the you have to be careful of what you're looking at. I mean, I'm you know, in, in my day, I mean, I hope it's still my day. Uh, if, if a guy like Greg said, "I got this new job. I'm making twenty five bucks an hour," I would immediately think he's making a thousand a week. Yeah, because you multiply it by four, you, you can't do that anymore. Because some yeah. people are working thirty two, some people are making thirty one. Uh, a couple yeah. of guys who help with the show, Andrew, for instance, has got a job. He's some. Uh, he's still doing his uh, night comedy stuff, um, so he has a part time job at one of these you know chicken joints. And I go, "How many hours are you getting?" I don't know, 31, 29. Is anybody there getting 40? Maybe two people, the managers, and they're probably working more than 40 and not getting overtime? I mean, the whole the whole way you, you calculate these numbers makes the numbers useless because they're not the mm-hmm. same as is what is what we learn them to be, right? I mean, uh, so there's a lot of stuff that's part-time, and if you got part-time, you're not getting your benefits. The price of insurance has gone to the roof. I mean, there's all kinds of... It, it's not the same as a union guy on strike was working 40, now he's working nothing, now he goes back to work, maybe gets some overtime. It's not like that, Al. You know that. I mean, it, So you got to be careful when you, look, when you look at these numbers and you look at the people that are employed. I mean, look, look at the difference between, as Carl goes through every, every time, look at the difference between the household survey and the establishment survey. Yeah, crazy. I mean, how, yeah. many, how many people realize that the establishment survey if you have two jobs, you're counted twice. When a household survey, you're only counted once. Look at the difference in the exactly. numbers. They're dramatic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my students are learning that right now. I have a homework assignment out where uh, I have them looking at the household survey and I have them looking at the uh, um, the uh, establishment survey. And I ask them, all right, 10,000, you know, every student gets a different number because I have an algorithm that generates it. 10,000 people who are unemployed. Uh, get a full-time job and then they also get a part-time job what what was the increase in the employer employer survey and what's the increase in the household survey and they're shocked when they find out that the employer survey 
is twenty thousand. Yeah. The increase in the employer survey is twenty thousand. The increase in the household survey is only ten thousand. The reason why that is because in the household survey, if you work one hour a, di- a week for pay for a firm, uh, an employer who pays you a wage, you're considered employed. Right. It doesn't matter if it's one or fifty or eighty, right? Yep. One hour, eighty hours, that's considered one employee. But if that person who's working eighty hours a week is working two full time jobs, that person is counted twice in the employer survey. Well, so it's really kind of nuts how they they kind of do it. And I find it really interesting that the media really focuses in on the employer survey because I remember a time when. Both would be discussed, but now it seems like the only one that's discussed is the employer survey. Well, they don't, they don't even really tell you the difference that the unemployment rate comes out of the household survey. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they, they don't, don't, they don't yeah. tell you that. But you know, yeah. what's uh, what's what's somewhat interesting is is you get you know you know math and statistics. I mean, you're better off the statistics stuff, and you're much more current on math. I couldn't do math now; my life depended on it. But uh, I don't. The you got to be careful when you start using percentages. Yeah. I mean, if you have a, a situation, say, from 2000, okay, for instance, um, and uh, somebody's making 10 bucks an hour in 2000, and you have this creeping inflation that we never counted because we hid the, we hid the, the increases in education and in medical care. You know, we basically lied to people for however yeah. many years it is. And uh, they, we said medical care was 7% of the, of the, ba- of the basket, and it's really 20 so that's a problem. If you go back and adjust medical care from 2000 and put it at 20% of the basket rather than 7, you'll find that we had inflation every single one of those years double probably what they said it was. Yeah, uh, equal to probably roughly the geometric mean of M2 growth. Right, which was was like 5% the whole way, wasn't it? And 5 or 6, and they kept saying inflation was 1. Well, that's not possible. And, and, And where it was... Spitting out was in medical care and in, and in education, probably in taxes, uh, property, and those kinds of things. But the uh, but if you have somebody who was making, uh, you know, ten dollars in, in an hour in two thousand, and all of a sudden over the next, you know, the way I calculated it, I I would say your inflation since two thousand has been fifty five sixty percent easy, maybe more than that. I mean, uh, I did a I don't know if I ever told you this, Hal. I did a thing once. I you know it was a stormy Saturday morning. I'm home and doing nothing. So I go, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I went from 2000 to 2020. I think the CPI was up uh, eight, eight, you know, 80%. So in other words, it maybe it was 60 or 70%, somewhere in there. And I went through and I looked at uh, the amount of... Well, it's hard to figure out the uh, medical stuff. I mean, I, I don't know how much... I can't tell you what a heart, heart, hearts versus, heart surgery versus... The other in 2020. So what I did was, I cheated and I looked at how much uh, a firm, say PTI, had to pay for people's uh, insurance, health insurance per month, and and I didn't even you know basically screw around with the fact that the deductibles are a little higher and stuff because it's actually worse. And it, it, I had it up to 285 percent, you know, almost three times as much in that 20 year period. And the weird part. I found a, there was a site. Now you got to pay for it, believe it or not. There was a site that had every single college in the country, their tuition and room and board going back like 50 years. And what an amazing site. Well, now you've got to find it, you got to pay, you know, which I probably should because I talk about it once in a while. The high, uh, 
most of your tuition, and again, I'm, I'm getting rid of the games people were playing where all of a sudden everybody jumped to in-state, out-of-state, where you really screwed a person out-of-state. So there's games going on here. Like, in Illinois doesn't want to take as many people from Illinois because they don't pay as much they take them from Wisconsin. So people in Illinois can't get into Illinois, so they go to Wisconsin and have to pay more. I mean, our, 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 our employees, these bumps, are playing these kind of games with us, which is bothers a little bleep on me. Anyway, it was like 285%. It was like the exact same number as the... <laughs> and then the third one, and this is real sloppy, but this is what I did. You can tell me it was sloppy. I don't know what else to do. I was trying to find out what primary education was, how much that had gone up. And I'm thinking, okay, most of that, since I don't know the tuition of you know Catholic schools in the city, I'm just going to use property taxes in Illinois. You know, down Illinois. But most of the property taxes, when you get a bill, it's usually what? Somewhere between 45 and 55% of your tax is for the, the school district by you, right? It's, that's about usually the number. So I, yeah. I, so again, I was being sloppy, Professor. I, I admit to you. Guess what the number was in twenty years? Forty percent. Two point eight five, exactly the same as high, oh. higher education, exactly the same. Per year? Exact, no, I'm saying that's how much the prices had gone up since between two thousand and two thousand and twenty. Was mm-hmm. t- was two hundred eighty five percent. So basically three times. And meanwhile, the CPI said they should go up like you know eighty percent or something. And it, they weren't even close. Well, now I mean, if I'd have gone to, you know, cars and all that kind of stuff, I actually read. I can't find this anymore. I mean, Greg is way better at the, me at this. I mean, your flat screens though went down by. Well, yeah, your flat screen went and down, and your TV. Better. So, but you don't, but you don't buy a TV TV <laughs> every better. day. Yeah. So, so, so oh yeah, so well you, well, you have to count in your obviously your cell phones. I mean, that stuff is way less than it was. And so the yeah, auto driving self capable. Yeah, well that's well that's what hey, we don't. That's, Fifteen thousand dollars. We don't buy twenty-one inch boob tube boob tubes anymore either, right? They don't sell those anymore, right? <laughs> but but here's where I, I somehow found, and I bet Greg, you could find this. If you dig into the bowels of the CPI, you've never seen data or, or uh, minutia data like you see in that thing. Well, one of the, one day I somehow discovered because I you know I love pickup trucks. I I started to get the adjustment every year on the Ford F one fifty. And I don't know where the hell I, how the hell I found this, but it was like 1999 to 2000. Okay, the price was up uh, $600 a pickup. But oh, by the way, uh, now the radio was now standard. Okay, so now we, we took $200 off to 600 Right, so it was really only 400 Then the next year it was uh, air conditioning now became standard, so you had to take 700 bucks off. The, at the, over a decade... They had the price of a pickup not even moving, even though the price was up like forty <laughs> percent. So I mean, it, it's it, you know, there's something to be said for that, okay? That yeah. you're now getting the air conditioning and the power steering and stuff you have to pay extra for, but it's still a freaking pickup, right? I can't yeah. I can't go back and give me the old model because the thing's never going to leave the farm. I don't need air conditioning. I don't need power steering. You can't do it anymore. So there's there's a, there's the quality issue. That yes, you have you have to make allowances for the fact that some of the stuff that used to be extra is now is now standard. But you also can't go overboard with it and say the forty thousand dollar pickup's the same price as the twenty thousand one because it's not. I mean, I I get the fact that when in the late seventies you could buy a what then was a very nice car, an Oldsmobile or something, for say forty five hundred bucks. Now I also know it didn't last as long as the ones today. It rusted out. It's not the same car, 
but now the car is 50,000 bucks. Is it 10 times better? I don't know about that. But, you know, these are all, but if you're the guy with the numbers, you can play with these numbers and give people the message you want to give. That's really kind of our point here, isn't it, Al? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, underreporting inflation has benefits for government, right? Well, this is what this is what you know. It's it's when I say this at a group of people having a cocktail, I almost feel like I'm I'm Benedict Arnold for God's sake. When I say you know the single biggest, except for maybe somebody that owns you know some building or something, not in Chicago, uh, the single biggest benefactor of inflation is the government. Yeah. When I talk about it, you never asked me to do it today, uh, Hal, because I I would have no idea how to do it, but. Uh, my brother does. Um, I used to do p- tax returns for people back in the late 70s. And we talked about the inflation back then, or we have talked about it. But what you don't, what is not, people are not necessarily aware of, because half the people weren't even alive then, is we must have had, God, Greg, I'm taking a stab at this. I'm going to say we, we had 12 to 15 tax brackets, maybe at least. And now we have what four or five? For a while we had we only went down to like two or three, didn't we? Now we're, now we're creeping back up on the tax brackets. And if you were to, if somebody started in the you know the people who were getting the coal increases, the unions and everything, oh those damn unions they got you know cost of living increases and blah blah blah. If you started out in 1975, making you know I'm going to say 18 grand a year, and with the inflation damn near 10 percent a year, and now you get to 1982. And you're making twenty-four grand a year. You think you've kept pace, but your your the, the amount of the percentage you owe the government is now a lot higher. Yeah. Because there, there, there was all these tax brackets. There, there literally were tax brackets from fifteen thousand to sixteen five. And then there was one from sixteen five to eighteen four. There was there was in ta- every one the, the percentage went up a little bit. I mean, right now, if you have a, I mean, Greg, if you want to look this up after, I think there's a tax bracket where you pay like ten percent up to. Is it forty-two grand a year uh, taxable income? You know, after your deductions and everything. And I think once you go over that, it becomes twenty-two percent, something like that. You know? So if you if you get the guy who's the uh, auto guy, forty-four seven twenty-five is twelve percent. Twelve percent, and then over that, it's twenty-two. Forty-four seven twenty-six is twenty-two percent. Yeah. So if if you get somebody and you give them a raise from say forty-five grand to fifty-five. Which is, you know, basically the the forty percent, or, or let's say like twenty percent, twenty five percent of the auto workers are getting. All you just, all you did. Now the guy is being taxed another ten percent more for that raise, essentially, than before, even though he's only breaking even. Plus, God help you if you're somebody who has to has to kick in on your on your uh, medical stuff because you don't get Obamacare help over fifty thousand, do you? Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, Tom, in 1987, when I was working for my parents at a bus terminal in Lewiston, Idaho, uh, my parents would say, all right, how many hours did you work last week? You know what I consulted? I consulted the payroll tax tables. God. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had a rough number, right, of what my earnings were for the week. And I'd back it off until my uh, <laughs> my take-home pay was maximized. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, I, worked, I worked 15 hours a week, Mom. <laughs> well, you know, it just the simple stuff, and, and I get it. You know, everybody can't have a sandwich sign on. Every running them back and forth in front of the White House. Everybody can't have a musket charging up, you know, Capitol Hill or something. Plus, we would want to do that anyway. 
But it, it, is, it is stunning how may, maybe people just don't want to look at it. Plus, by the way, it's, it, it's fatiguing, too. I mean, yeah. it, it, should, I mean, it should be simple to people. Well, I think it's fatiguing by design. Right? Yeah. But, I mean, if you yeah. if, a, if a car costs fifty grand five years ago and your tax rate is 8, you just paid four grand in taxes. Right? The same car now is 80. You just paid how much? You know, eight, eight, you just paid 6,400 in taxes. Yeah. Duh. I mean, you know, th- this should not politicians be. Have, politicians have found out that they can't, even if they want, you know, they, they can't just raise tax rates. People, even Democrats in New York City, don't want to pay tax rates, right? So how do you get them to pay higher taxes by inflating the currency, right? Yeah. It's a uh, SP futures down eight, and SP futures only down a buck and a half. I, I'm not so sure we're going to stay down today. I think we might be going to be up. But we'll see. We'll be right back. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now. Hello, and we're back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howard, Greg Pappas on the board. Greg, I'm trying to find out here how much uh, lease space uh, we work had here in Chicago, and I, I can't find it. There's, I'll find a bunch of ads for them, but there's, I know they had that building over on, is it Canal or Clinton? Um, there was one further on State Street. I wonder how much they have here that's, that's at risk now since they're going bankrupt, or if it evens at risk, maybe it's not. Uh, anyway, S&P futures are down 875, NASDAQ futures down a whole buck, Chuck. Actually, now two bucks. Uh, Dow futures down 81, so we're down but a little bit. 
We're in Europe. We've got the, uh, well, we got something going on here in Europe. A nice slow machine is what we have. The, uh, uh, well, this will come up in a second. We got about 90 things open on your machine. This is what European markets mixed as positive momentum stalls. UBS watches of Switzerland higher. DAX uh, up 19.1%. The FTSE up, uh, up 5. Um, call that flat. Kek around down 34.5, so slightly to the downside, but not, not much there. Asia is interesting because yesterday, everybody remembers yesterday, the Korean Koreans decided, South Korea, decided they were going to not have people be able to short sell their stocks. So the market was up 5%. Well, duh, now it's down 2% today. So Nikkei, Nikkei, which was up 700 yesterday, is down 436 today. That's a full 1.4%. Hang Seng down 296, so... They were trying to get over 18,000. Now we're back 17,670, but very, very volatile. Shanghai, we're only down a, only down a buck. They're not don't seem to be phased by this. Uh, yesterday in the U.S., the Dow was up 34, S&P up seven, Nasdaq up 40. Kind of snuck up on the close. It's pretty much a flat day, especially compared to the days before where we were straight up. Uh, bonds down five basis points, six four point six two. The bond down five basis points, two point six nine. Japan unchanged at point eight eight. Uh, we have oil. Uh, getting clobbered here today, down 2.5%, but down 91, 78, uh, 91, so way under 80 here. Brent up down about, down a dollar 93.20. Natural gas down 11 cents, 3.15. Arbob down 4 cents, 2.18. And the spread is still incredible between Arbob, the oil price, the price of oil, the price of Arbob, and what you're paying at the pump. Um, enjoy it while you can. Uh, gold down 24 dollars, down 19.64. Ouch. Silver down 70 cents, 22.53. Again, a great sale over 23. I wish I'd have done it. A copper down 5 cents, 3.66. We've got crypto down almost 300 hours now, 34,690. And the U.S. dollar, which has been getting getting trounced, is actually up a little bit today with the pound back, pound down to 106.8, and the and the, I'm sorry, the euro down to 106.8, the pound down to 123. A lot of stuff there, Greg. What do you got for us? Good morning, everyone. 737 in Chicago here. 52 degrees today, mostly cloudy. Chance of rain tonight. Phoenix, 64 right now. 89 today, warm with a lot of sunshine. Traffic's getting worse by the minute. Inbound Kennedy from Montrose, 58 minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook, 107 minutes. Inbound Ike from Wolf is 42 minutes. The Ryan from 95th to the Interchange is 32 minutes. And inbound Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan is 46 minutes. Sports, we got NFL, uh, Chargers beat the Jets 27-6, and uh, men's NCAA basketball, Illinois wins by 28, Kansas wins by 43, Purdue and Houston win by 53, Marquette by 22, except for preseason number four, Michigan State, they lost to James Madison by three points. And so James, I got James Madison's been a factor once in a while, but not... Yeah, they're unranked though this year. Uh, yeah, so well, Big upset. Um... Yeah, well, they play these. Uh, you, you play the champs this early in the year. Or what do you think are champs? Remember when Michigan lost to? Uh, well, everybody, everybody, uh, you know, took care of business. Well, remember when the Michigan football team? What did they, they lose? The Allegheny State or something? It was one Appalachian year? State. Appalachian was well, someplace. What's the difference? Yeah, they still spot. talk about that. Yeah, because <laughs> they they paid the guys like a couple hundred grand to show up and get clobbered, but they decided not to get clobbered. They decided not to get clobbered, and then. Well, and so then uh, that prompted them to actually move up to D1, I think, a few years later. What was the... Uh, it started. I'm not big on these big violent movies because Audrey gets these all the time. The movie Gladiator, when he was in the Gladiator. Russell Crowe? Yeah, and they ended up, they were, they were fighting against the, they were the Carthinian, Carthini, people from Carthage. 
Uh, and they were supposed Carthaginians. to get whomped. Yeah, they were supposed to get whomped by the Romans in the arena, but because he organized it different, the Romans lost. And the emperor's going, aren't, aren't we supposed to win? Or something along those lines. Anyway, I could see I could see Carl being one of those gladiators with the wrong the wrong size, you know, wrong side one, and they'd be trying to execute the guy. Uh oh. Yeah, W Carl. <laughs> Carl, hell, sorry. I got. Why do I confuse you guys? Because you're both so economically uh, versed. Once in a while. <laughs> The, uh, so what? So would you have the Carthaginians win? I don't think you would. Uh, anything to defeat the empire. Okay. <laughs> you, you you wouldn't last too long. He didn't, as I recall. Yeah, um, I root against the empire. The the empire in in Star Wars, uh, uh, and the empire in history and the current empire. Yeah. I want uh, a libertarian society where uh, people, um, adults. To engage in voluntary commerce can do so at their whim. Um, that ship has kind of left the dock. Yeah, it's, it ship left the dock and it'll never return. It sunk in the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, it's uh, well, I just think. Hey, Tom, during the break, I looked up some numbers on the M2. You look at the average annual geometric average of M2 growth from 2000 to 2022, it's 4.5 percent. You look at the overall percentage increase, it's 165.17%. I think we could save nearly a billion dollars in all those statisticians at BLS by just scrapping the CPI and using M2. Yeah, but the, de- the a, detail is great. A better measure of inflation. Yeah, but how do you know what, what happened to the brown rice or something? Yeah, well, uh, I can figure out what happened to brown rice when I go to the grocery store. Did you ever... Uh, ever- Ever been so screwed up on, on a day we had nothing better to do when Trump was doing all the stuff about the tariffs with Canada and stuff? Did you ever? I actually Googled, searched on the internet, uh, one of the big one of these big tariff books. <laughs> Did you ever read one of those things? No, my brother Todd. He's really into tax law. He worked for the IRS for like fifteen years. He'd probably enjoy it, but I, I'd rather read a history of. Monetary history of the United States, then read that stuff. Well, I mean, I, I just, you know, you know, Greg, who's uh, knows a lot of people in the restaurant industry, it is so um, incredibly detailed. I yeah. opened up, I opened up page like you know five thousand or something, and it was the was the page on like cottage cheese. I didn't realize <laughs> I didn't realize there's like fifteen different kinds of, of cottage cheese. This percent <laughs> milk fat, this percent that without. Eighty uh, percent milk fat without something, something without some other culture. I, I and yet somewhere there's got to be a guy behind every one of those lines that was concerned about his product. And I mean, uh, didn't uh, we used to have a show first started? We had uh, a guy, it's commodity, just, commodity guy. The record is just a compilation of all the people who want uh, protection from competitors. That's what that is, yeah. right? What did uh, you, you know? You know, Chris Mance, Greg. He was on. He, this is when the uh, the Brexit was going on. That there was something like how many how many seventy five pages in the regs for for uh, lettuce grades and stuff of lettuce and what you could charge to go across the borders and stuff. Interesting. Was it, it was I know that uh, in your cottage cheese example that it's similar to milk and that there's you know full fat, half fat. Um, yeah, I mean it's low it's low fat. It, so. it, multiply that by about thirty. <laughs> in a or no, it's it's low fat and then reduced fat. So, I'm I'm, I'm just saying there's uh, 
4%. Uh, yeah. 4% milk fat is probably full fat, and that's... But you, but you look at the lumber, the lumber page had to be four pages long. I didn't realize there were 50 yeah. different kinds of plywood or 100 kinds of... I mean, it's... And every one of them has a different tariff. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, somebody's behind all this stuff. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, a job it's, a history, it's just a history of businesses wanting protection from their competitors, right? That's all that really is. Have you ever looked at the food defect level handbook of the FDA? Uh, no. I didn't know there was <laughs> such a thing. Well, I created this problem for my stats classes, my MBA stats class, where they had to go find the uh, the amount of uh, food defect. Food defect includes things like cat poop. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, well... <laughs> it specifies how much... Uh, you know, rat poop can be in the cocoa beans, for example. <laughs> it's okay to have a certain amount. Oh yeah, but yeah. And then over that amount, you can't, you know, bring it to the United States. Well, one of the, one of these days we'll have we'll have Audrey Ann, and when she was a Ute, not that she's older, but she, when she was a Ute, she had a job one summer when she was a she, Ute, as in a University of Utah Ute, or a Ute as in Utes? Uh, Did you say youths? <laughs> like my cousin because. My cousin Vinny, remember? Did you say Ute? I mean Utes. <laughs> well, she worked at a, in the stackyards when they used to have the stackyards, right? She she went to work for this peanut butter outfit, and uh, the the plate. I mean, for those that don't know, one of the most highly regulated, cleanest things on earth is peanut butter. If you get something that says peanut butter, it doesn't have to be like ninety eight percent pure peanuts or something. And if it's peanut spread, it can be eighty five. I mean, it's it's serious stuff. Yeah. Jiffy uh, uses uh, vegetable oil. They don't use peanut oil, but I think Skippy uses peanut oil. Well, what I'm, what I'm saying is, is somewhere in there, and you got to be very, you got to constantly be testing it because if peanuts go bad, it's very poisonous, right? What's the name of that stuff that? If, if, if anyway, if something happens to peanuts that if you eat it, you're really, like dead. So you're constantly so. Audrey's testing for this stuff. Well, she had to walk upstairs. It was a rendering plant. The, the people know what that is. You're boiling all the parts and stuff of. But they were they were in one part of the building, the peanut butter joint. So she'd have to walk up four flights of stairs. There was no, and, and there were, and there were rats hanging on the, the hides all the way up the stairs on each side of. The, <laughs> then she'd enter this total pristine environment, you know, all all totally air conditioned and the whole bit, where she's testing peanut peanut stuff. Possible. <laughs> <laughs> so two utes. Uh, uh, two what? Yeah, two utes. Two oh, what? What was that word? Uh, what word? To what? What? Did you say utes? Yeah, two utes. What is a ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. <laughs> good, good job, Greg. It's, what a what a what a what a great seed. I thought that what's his name was uh, he he recently passed uh, the uh, the judge. What a terrific actor, Fred Gwynn. Yeah, Fred oh, Gwynn. Fifty-four. Yeah, I remember. Oh, Car fifty four. Where are you? And he was what? He was uh, Herman Munster. Not Herman. He was the, uh, yeah. He was Herman Munster, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, so a uh, very serious question. You're talking about the libertarian stuff and everything else, and uh, everybody now is a little bit concerned. I mean, the Republican side, you know, they they want to cut the IRS stuff. You know, as a way to. The fact is, we're, we're so far away from everything and this budget stuff. And with these interest rates going up, of course they've backed off a little bit. So I'm mean, everybody's a little bit happy about that. What, how exactly do we go? And we have a producer today that timed the uh, U.S. debt clock, 
at what 43 seconds you had per million dollars Greg <laughs> 40 between 41 and 42 41 and 42 it's even worse than that how exactly when nobody wants to do any again I don't want to pay any more taxes duh 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 no only part of that uh, how exactly do we turn this bus around when is when has anybody ever been able to do it you know without I mean one of the ways you do it is you is you, you know, inflate yourself so you're paying people you think if the government had money, they could go. They could go out and buy all the thirty and ten-year bonds they issued three years ago for what seventy cents on the buck. You did that to your own. You did that to your own people. You screwed your own people yeah. to that. I, I mean, as a population, it's, it's like Animal House. Thank you, sir. May I have another? I mean, how, how is we're up to we're up to uh, interest on national debt is six hundred and seventy-eight billion dollars a year so it's it's pushing um what is that a third of the budget or not a third it's like 20 percent right um where so where are we total federal spending is six trillion dollars all right so our our interest is six seven so so we're over 10 we'll say 11 percent of the budget is now interest yeah uh you can't you can't extend them but how how if somebody put you and I could maybe one of your your gnomes, your helpers. If somebody dropped our, our asses into the into the Oval Office tomorrow. How would what, what's the first stab you can make at this? I mean, um, I I think part of it is you have to bring corporate taxation at least reality, but that's not that's not going to come close to, to solving the problem. But at least you got to you got to find the people that aren't paying. Okay, I mean, but but again, it's not. It's going to be you know. Ten percent of what you need. What, well, do you, the, what do you do here? With regard to that question, is you got to ask why they're not paying. I think the reason why they're not paying is because uh, tax rates are on the wrong side of the Africa curve. Um, when when tax rates are as high as they are, and I think I think the the optimal tax rate of the Africa curve. I'm not a supply sider. Um, I'm a pragmatic person, so practical. Um, I think the when when other countries are adopting lower tax rates, I think it affects the uh, the optimal tax rate. It's like thirty two seconds now, chief. Thirty two seconds now. Yeah. Wow. Oh, oh, thirty two seconds. Yeah. A wow. million dollars. Jeez. So I think I think we have to we have to ask the question: Why are people doing this? And maybe the best thing to do with regard to taxation is just tax transactions at a low percentage point. Well, I, and just treat every transaction as the same. You have right. the same, uh, you have the same view on this as uh, my brother does, and yeah, uh, just and I'm going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say, I think, I'm going to say, I think the body, the body is, as they say in the South Side, are wrong. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, uh, well, I'll say this because, but I mean, we're, we're but we're down to, what's the corporate tax rate? Twenty one percent. Yeah, you know what? It's low enough. It's it's not well, eighty. It's not ninety. It's not seventy. It's twenty. Yeah, I'm telling you, in in New York City, people don't like paying taxes. I, I get it, and they vote for people that want to charge high taxes. Okay, but I'm saying, if we're talking about a society, and you sit there and go, "All right, us us hundred guys are living in Boonesboro or someplace. Uh, we we want a guy who who, who watches the gate at night. Uh, we want this. By the way, we got to take out the garbage. We got to do something. We're gonna make a list of all the stuff." That we have to pay people to do, we collectively. 
So we are going to have to make, come up with the money to do that. All right. I'm talking about very basic. And the thing of it is, Carl, I honestly believe, Carl, hell, whenever, whenever, whenever you get away from the basics, you screw yourself up. Yeah. And you sit there and say, okay, we got to do this stuff. And somebody says, well, I don't want to pay it because over here in, in Jimbo, Jimbo Bill down the road, it's less. I'm going to say, go move there. I mean, this is what we're doing here. And it, yeah. the idea that, because I'm, I'm on the side of the, by the, that me and you and Greg and all the listeners who I care about and my clients, I'm at the, I'm at the old guy stage here. If some bleep doesn't pay, I pay more and I'm tired of it. That's where I'm at. It's not whether. Well, yeah, it's not whether. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want to listen to CEO. Yeah. CEO. Uh, Greg Snar, uh, somewhere going. I can't pay thirty percent because in, in Zimbabwe it's twenty percent. Go to go to Zimbabwe. Is just <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm saying at some point this is our number. If you don't like yeah. it, let's go. Let's, let's go through Congress and get it fixed. But by the way, yeah. this is the number. You know, and screw you. I'm at, I'm at that stage. Should I be or not? In 2022. Well, I think if you, if you charge a half percentage tax, half percentage point on every transaction, and I think it, I think it can easily be implemented because, you know, most things are trans, uh, transacted electronically. So you can easily slap a 0.5% tax on every transaction. If, and if you do that, I think you're going to have more enough revenue. If... if uh, you know, you should There'll be very little incentive to avoid paying that tax. You, if if you were here, we would go out for an adult beverage tonight. My brother would come with, and the two of you could sling at me the whole time and tell me how wrong I am. Because <laughs> my, my my view of the world is the same people that have figured out how to game yeah. this system will figure out how to game whatever new system you come up with, unless people mm-hmm. stop it. Yeah, well, I mean, if if the tax rate's low enough, I mean, if you do have a a fifteen percent sales tax nationally. That's just going to encourage people to, you know, it's going to be too high, and they'll yeah. just, you know, go around the system, right? But, but, but if I, every transaction, if every transaction is at 05 percent, I think there's very little incentive to go around I, that. The, the, that again, if, I would I would be losing this argument with you two guys because you're both smart enough. Where I, I know I, maybe I'd have Greg on my Greg. Would you be on my side or no? Yeah, definitely. Right. Uh, so I got you got I got Greg on my side now. So at least it's two against two. But the, I, I honestly think that when, if, 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 if the tax is 40%, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. I think it's 40% is probably a little too high. I don't want to pay 40%. If I'm in the banking business, if I'm in the drug business, and all of a sudden some firm comes out there that I want to bid on, I want to have only have paid 20% the last five years. I want to pay less than whatever you other idiots are paying. That's that's my motivation. If the number was two percent, I'll find some place where they're paying one. It, it, yeah. You know, it, there, there's there's more to this than just the number. I mean, it, yeah. when I when I started taking taxes at in Notre Dame, God knows when, we had just gone from was it seventy percent corporate tax to fifty. Yeah, and it I, got as high as ninety one, I think ninety three, yeah, ninety one. And I can yeah. I can sure well there was a bazillion other deductions, so nobody were yeah. paid that. But I can yeah. surely say. That if I was going to build to build a building or go to a business, and if I won, you got seventy percent of it, and if I lost, it's all on me. Uh, that's a tough do. I mean, that's, that's, you wouldn't go to a racetrack that did that. Yeah. But, now, but now that we're down to twenty-one percent, hey, come on, it's not it's not too much. I mean, it's it's, it's not going to you're not going to not have a built business. 
you're not going to not have a building because you're paying 21 percent it's not 70 well, is it the problem with taxing uh income whether it's corporate or personal is when you tax something you get less of it and then what do you do with those taxes you give them to somebody who's not as productive either in a, in a corporate subsidy well, in, in theory you're supposed to be yeah. paying for the stuff we all use yeah I mean, but what, what, what ends up happening is you you tax uh, the people who you should, probably should be rewarding not taxing right so when you when you tax something you get less of it so and when you subsidize somebody who's not working you get more of that yeah. right so yeah. what, what those two effects reduce the the potential output that our nation could have otherwise have seen, right? Well, you, so, you know, you, you know, you sound like now, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to insult the hell out of you by saying, it. you know, what you sound like Bill Ackman. Okay. I, don't know I he, think. Well, he said. Regard, he, he goes. I should. He said on TV, I should pay no taxes because I can do more good with it than you can. Okay, so how well, do we how do we pay the garbage guy? How do we pay the, yeah. the soldier if everybody gets to do whatever they want with it? I'm saying at some level here, you got to do this. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I started well, by that, saying I, I don't want to pay any more, but I'm not saying that, Tom. I'm, what I'm saying is tax each transaction, tax tax the payment to the rubber company, tax the I, all the transactions, it, every transaction. And, and my point to Halsnar and Dan Howe, <laughs> my brother, go to Ireland, <laughs> are are the, the same people that find a way to, to to steal now or get yeah. around the system will find a way, and it's going to cost us a bazillion dollars to change from one to the other. Yeah. By the way, well, we, are, we already have transaction taxes. Every every it's state, every state has a transaction tax. We get, we got all kinds yeah. of tax. What, what don't we have a no, tax I'm not, on? I'm not talking about sales tax. I'm talking about a transaction tax. Just one simple transaction tax that's hard to get around paying. So, what do you? How do you define a transaction? Just the transaction. I pay five dollars for a kid to mow my yard. I got to pay a one percent tax, right? Any transaction, any financial transaction that involves the exchange of money, a 05 percent tax on it. Every transaction, no matter what part of the whether the whether it's fifty cents or five billion, exactly, a 05 percent tax. Just treat every transaction as the same. Every transaction, equal treatment under the law. All right. So and then uh, so and then you, you're, you're gonna you're gonna tax your kids when you give them their allowance. Uh, well, I mean that that money is within the household. Ah, already right. That's our first exception. Out yeah. of the out of the five thousand exceptions, they're going to flow when we're done with this thing. Well, I mean, if I spend twenty bucks on you know McDonald's, or I give them twenty dollars and they they spend the twenty dollars on McDonald's, I mean, is there really a transaction between father and son? Probably oh, not, okay. Right? What, what now in the office here? Suppose we had a Super Bowl pool. It was a thousand bucks a guy. Now is that a transaction? And the winner have to pay again? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. be the one collecting that. Just saying. <laughs> But I think it'd be a fair system. And the next thing you have to do is you have to get rid of the Fed or redefine the Fed. Why don't, we just, the Fed why don't we just clean up the current system and say, you can't say all your profits in outer Zimbabwe when all your Starbucks are here. I don't, I don't think that's going to work because we realize that, you know, big oil, as we were saying earlier, big oil is pretty much running the show, right? I, I think, I think I'll, bet you, I'll bet you that out of all the people that stole on taxes in the last 20 years, big oil probably pays more than anybody else. Yeah, but they're running the show, man. Right? We we know yeah. that with uh, Biden's rhetoric against the crude right. oil well, and the, I think, the gas. Well, right. I think somebody could come out and say they're 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 all against, you know, corn products because they're bad for you. They're not going to stop one. They're not going to stop the corn industry. People still want to eat yeah. corn. They want to eat meat. I mean, I'm saying there's only so much these guys can say 
with their yeah. with their words that don't don't get anywhere. But I mean, well, I, I think the next the next big step is we have to stop the Fed. The Fed, you know, either you close it down or you change its role. Uh, all you say is you don't worry about unemployment, you don't worry about economic growth, you don't worry about anything but how much M two grows over a long period of time. Well, that and you say we don't want we want it to be at one percent because the population of the United States is growing one percent a year. So that's that that's what you can do with the Fed. And then you take that out of the equation, and the Fed can no longer buy up all these uh, uh, treasuries directly or indirectly from Treasury, which cr- creates this environment where Congress can go on a spending splurge, Democrat, Republican, and finance wars why, and things. Like why that. do you have to? I guess again, I'm, we're, we're jousting this morning, which is great. I love jousting with you. Uh, why don't we just tell them to do their job instead of getting rid of them? Fitch. Well, no, what I'm saying is we either get rid of them or we just change their mandate. They what? just grow the M2. All they worry about is growing the M2. They don't worry about anything else except growing the month, month, the month M2 at like 1%. If the population is growing at 1%, grow them to at 1%, and that's it. right? Get all rid of all the tomfoolery. Get rid of the BLS. The, uh, you can just use the M2 as uh, your proxy for inflation. It's predictable. People look up M2. They see that it's growing at 5%. Five percent annually. We know what the real rate of inflation is, or a better measure of it, and we get rid of all this tomfoolery. All right, right? What, what I'm saying, I mean, what the, the politics here? We have Dash here in a second. The politics here are you and I know that. Yeah, we know that if the the real growth rate is two and a half percent, the money supply growth over time should be two point seven five or three, yeah. maybe yeah. three tops. Yeah. We know that. Okay, why doesn't it happen? Because every time they do something, it benefits one group versus another. And, well, and a guy p- running the Fed, a guy running the Fed, or some guy in Congress wants to save the day. Okay, he wants but to when you, the as, as you recall, when this guy came into office, I'm talking about Powell. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he came into office, he started to cut back and and some of the largesse of the people before him. Yeah. Right. And all of a sudden, the market when this is the end of 2018, as I recall, remember what they call it the taper tantrum or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, and all of a sudden you saw him going to the White House. No, because Trump was in office. So was it? Was it eight? Yeah, it was Trump. Yeah. yeah, Trump was in office, and he came out of there, and I'm sitting there going, either he got waterboarded or he got paddled. Exactly. What yeah. was it? And, and from that, the next day onward, he was on with the system. Congress wants so to spend a trillion dollars. I'll give you the trillion dollars. He is yeah. no more. Who, who? Who could you? How is it possible for a president and a, and a Congress? To put somebody in that job that was truly independent, yeah. it's it's impossible. It's it's so like you got, you got to make it independent. You got to be less political. And Trump a, was anti-Fed before, and then he was pro-Fed, pro-low interest rates. Yeah. when it started. To well, when he wanted to spend money, and he didn't want to raise taxes, they had they gave yeah. him the money. But it, yeah. but it's like it's like the the aldermen actually have. But it's that's just the way people are. You know? I mean, yeah. Can you actually expect the House of Representatives to elect? To elect a a guy who's supposed to make them all behave, <laughs> can they actually give that guy any kind of power? It's impossible. Humans can't do that. Yeah. Well, if, if there's no Fed bailing them out of their massive budget deficits a year, they might have to be more fiscally uh, fiscally responsible, right? Well, okay. But what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, uh, let me just tell you this: if California had a Fed, they'd be they would be in a hyperinflation right now. I guarantee. You oh, they sure would, they would. Right? Yeah. They'd be money left and right. Yeah. Anyway, you take care of yourself. What? Uh, so, what do you you drive back and forth? Or are you flying? What are you doing? Uh, just commuting back and forth. Yeah. 
not flying. I, I can't fly. I, I'd rather be on the road, highway. Oh, God. All right. Yeah. Well, good for you. SP Futures only down five. NASDAQ Futures up 16. Talk at you next week, buddy. Thank you, Greg. Okay. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.